0: You've got to be active up here to keep these little ones attentive, huh? I think they'll be well entertained. Well, open with me to Acts. And last week we were in, uh, well, we started out in chapter 17. And we ended discussing a potential sermon that the Apostle Paul might have been presenting to uh, those in Thessalonica Thessalonica. and uh, in uh, chapter 13 he was preaching in Antioch and in verses 14 through 43 uh, or 41 he laid out what Christ was, who Christ was, how important he was and gave some history and so this morning, um, I have a word of prayer, and i got a bunch of questions to ask. Now, some of you weren't in here for that, so we'll kind of maybe review a little bit. Um, so let's have a word of prayer. And Father, we do thank you again. Thank you that we can gather around your word. Thank you for each one that's here, and pray, Father, that as we present this lesson this morning, that we will see how important it is to uh, be true to God's word, that we not compromise in any area of the scriptures. And, Father, how it is also important to realize that our words may offend some people. But, Father, mostly it will show people the way of salvation and they'll come to know you as their Savior. Father, I thank you for the truths that we can teach. I thank you again for each one that's here. I do pray that they have an open heart, ready to learn what we have here that they can use in their lives as they walk through this earth. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, in, in chapter 13, like I said, Paul's uh, sermon that he presented, and, and in, in Thessalonica, he was there for, they said, three Sabbaths. Sabbaths. And, yeah, let's get those words out right. A little more coffee. But what was interesting is that after those three uh, sabbaths some of the people there didn't like what he was preaching but yet a lot of them did because the church got started as a result so some of the questions we have in fact let me see if I can go up here get us out yeah Paul preached in the synagogue and we, we discussed that the apostle Paul because he was a pharisee um, the synagogues readily accepted him in to teach and I'm sure, well, and we know that in there that many of them did not like what he was teaching. He was teaching, as far as they were concerned, counter to the law. You can't teach that stuff and get away with it. You can't say that this man Jesus was equal to God. And on and on and on and on. They come up with all excuses. So, he started out and, and explained uh, that how Israel, they came out of Egypt they went through the wilderness, they had the judges, they had the law given to them, and then the judges, and, and just went through a bit of history with them, and then explained how important Jesus was. In fact, in, in, in chapter 17 or, uh, yeah, chapter 17 in, in verse um, two, he says, "And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs be suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. To most of those Jews, they knew that, but they weren't willing to accept it. So here's here's some questions, or a question to start with. Which of the statements in Paul's messages might have offended the Jews? And I know some of you haven't read it, but those that were here last week, what do you think, what portions uh, in, in uh, chapter 13 might have affected him? Brother Chris? Well, in that chapter, he preached on Psalm 16 how the uh, life of Christ is um, David speaking prophetically. Right. Ultimately, in Christ. Right. God would not leave his soul in hell or suffer his holy ones to see corruption. Right. Um, so he would have been equating Christ with deity, he would have been equating Christ as the Messiah who rose from the dead. Right. All of that. There definitely rubbed them wrong because he was equating Jesus with God. That he is deity. He is the Messiah that was, prophes- was prophesied. In fact, like I mentioned, uh, I ran across a summary uh, that was presented that showed in the Old Testament the the prophecies that 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 identified him, the names that were given to him. And if we have some time, we'll, we might read through there. But what other areas might they have, have uh, determined that, that, that offended them? Uh, Sylvia? In verse 27, it said they knew him not. And then in verse 28, it said they because of death. Yes. You know, so. He, yeah. So the, the Jews were definitely involved in in Christ's death. They didn't like that. They didn't want to be accused of that, even though. They were guilty. And, you know, each one of the Jews carried that with them. In fact, today people accuse the Jews, oh, you killed Jesus. Well, guess what? We put Christ on the cross. Our sins put Christ on the cross. He went there willingly. And if, you know, if the people would have listened to Pilate and let him go, there would be another way in which God would have assured that Christ was going to be that sacrifice. So the Jews didn't like, they didn't like to be accused of, of killing this person. They do not want to be accused there. Anything else? Anybody else? I have a, have a thought. Uh, Lisa? I had that They were, he was calling them despisers and doubters and in danger of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, despisers and doubters, you know, so you, how many of you want to be called that? You guys all want to be called despisers? You know? How many of our parents, you know, did any of our parents do that to us? Nah. Kids, does mommy do that to you guys? Do they? Yeah. <laughs> Art Linklater here, out of babe's mouth. <laughs> no. No, as parents, we, we don't call our children despisers. We might tease them and, and call them cute names and things like that. But not like what was pointed out here. You know, they were despisers. We were despisers. Again, he put Christ on the cross. Another area to think of is is he was re, uh, you know he he talked about their behavior of Israel in the wilderness. He walked through in there and and pointed out that they murmured and they complained, and yet God was taking care of them. His reference to Jesus's re, uh, resurrection in in. Uh, uh, verse 29 and, and through there, 29 started out. It says, "When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the in the sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead." They also, throughout here, pointed out that they equated him with God, and that was blasphemy as far as they were concerned. That was what they kept saying. Well, we put it, we're going to kill him because he equates himself with God. He's blasphemy. They're not supposed to do that and in his statement that forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ not through the law of Moses he pointed that out and it says uh, be it known unto you therefore men and brethren that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins verse 38 and by him that all believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses and then of course he gave him a warning in verses 40 and 41 where it said he says beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets behold ye despisers and wonder just what uh, sister Lisa talked about and perish for I work a work in your days a work which ye shall do no wise believe through a man declare though a man declare it unto you so he he was preaching to them of this and he was doing this for three Sabbaths. I can only imagine after the first one, the first time through, how many of them were like, I don't know about this guy. He's saying things that I'm a little concerned about. But when you think about that, you know, he was expelled from that city too. You know, it's like the Apostle Paul, when he got saved and he was being taught by Christ, he was probably also saying, oh, by the way, and and he was told... You're going to be abused. You're going to be persecuted. Not like me, but you'll be persecuted. You are, People are going to not like what you're teaching. Well, the world today doesn't like what the church is preaching. So, you know, what compromises to the gospel could the Apostle Paul have made to make it more acceptable to the Jews? <laughs> Anybody got an idea on that one? How can he make it more palatable, acceptable? Just mix Brother Chris? The Just mix in the law. That's yeah. Really sure, mix it in with the law. And how many of the Judaizers and, the, uh, and Jews were trying to do that already? Oh, you know, you, you can accept him as Christ, but you've got to do all this stuff. You know, and the Apostle Paul says, yeah, you could go ahead and do that, but it's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to do a thing. Say, so, yeah, you can keep all the law if you think you can. You can do all your traditions, but what's it going to get you? Might get you a nice meal sometime, you know, having all those fancy things. But what's it going to get you? Yeah, you know, he could have he changed in. He could have made it more palatable that way. So why was it necessary for Paul not to change the gospel? And I thought with that, uh, turn to Galatians 1. So... Here we go. So why was it necessary for Paul not to change that, Pastor? The gospel was committed on the ministry preaching was the very foundation of it. Right, yeah. the very foundation. Yeah, and and had he uh, changed any of that, you know, how effective would the gospel have been? It wouldn't have been uh, effective. Let me get over here. I'm slowly turning my pages back. But in verses 6 through 12, it says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there, are, there be some that trouble you. That would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed." As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men, or God, or do I speak, seek to pleasure men? And if, or for if I yet pleased him, I should not be a servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached of me is not after man for I neither received it of man neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ so it was important that if if that gospel was, com- was changed it's not going to have any effect he received it the message was from God not from people he was to answer to God and not people pastor when he teaches up here preaches he's accountable to God not to us he is our shepherd he he teaches what the Lord has laid on his heart and like I say he is accountable to God and not anybody else and and so it's important to realize like like pastor said the effectiveness of the foundation of the gospel is is changed and that's why the apostle Paul was not willing to compromise He would rather be beat. Can we say that today? How many of us are willing to stand up for for the gospel? Especially in the climate that we're currently in. We are being challenged. The church is being challenged. I gave pastor a guideline from Christian Law Association about reopening churches. It caused him to think a little bit. That's why we have all the kids out here today. Kind of talking about what pastor might be speaking about but it's important to know that we're meeting because God has called us to meet we're meeting because it's important to get the gospel out we're streaming over the internet to get the gospel out we don't know who else is tuning in it'd be nice if uh, we got feedback from some of those folks that were out there that said hey I got your messages." I'm glad you guys are doing that. We're using every tool possible. The Apostle Paul had the internet back then. Guess what? (laughs) He'd be broadcasting. Of course, he wouldn't have to go as far as many places either. You know, I think about our missionaries today. It is difficult for them. But they want to get the gospel out. They need to talk to people to present their ministry. The Apostle Paul was not willing to compromise anything with the gospel. And I'm thankful that this church doesn't do that. And many other like-minded churches are not afraid of the gospel to be preached. All of the gospel. Talking about the blood. Talking about sin. Realizing that we are sinners. And without that. So, you know, he was willing to be persecuted by, by men because of that. He didn't add anything to the gospel. He didn't put in... And he pointed out in many of his epistles about bringing the law in as part of salvation. He didn't want to do that. So he wanted to be faithful. I don't remember what song number that is, but you know, the song says, I want to be faithful. I want to be true. That that's, should be ours. So today, you know, we don't normally struggle with uh, adding to the gospel, at least if you're teaching. You know, if a person's teaching out of the scriptures, we're not adding to that. But there are a lot of people that do add to that. Oh, you know, do this and then do that. They're still doing. And it's so important to realize that if you're doing something, it's never done. It's been done for us. Salvation, we can secure it because of Jesus Christ. He did it. We don't have to do anything more other than accept him and accept what he did for us. But there are others going, oh yeah, well along that line, you need to and so they add to it, but the real problem, and it's like I said, especially now, is sharing the gospel. A lot of people you know visitation programs have been somewhat curtailed, making it very difficult. Some people won't open the door if you're not wearing a mask or if you you know they want to know for sure who you are before they they let you up on their on their porch or let them in for you to share the gospel it's it's a struggle from that aspect but people are still doing it sharing the gospel we're doing it over the internet we do it social media is another way people that are using that properly and presenting the gospel over the internet it is it's exciting to see those types of tools come up and and to be used Um, little children are, are enjoying it handing out tracts you know, it's, it's wonderful to watch people that are, are not going to let circumstances stop them from spreading the gospel. And, and that's, that's the joy that we have. And we had our little civics lesson last week about how free we are to share the gospel. People don't have to accept it. We have a right to be able to tell people that, we have a responsibility to, to God to do that. And it's so very important. So you know, with that, without this, all this stuff going on around us, what fears might believers today uh, stop them from being faithful to uh, God's command to witness? Any any thoughts, Sylvia? How we would appear to them? How we would appear to them? Yeah, some people. Well, some people. You're, you know your your church meeting is not right you know you can't meet together you're not you're you're not social distancing properly you're going to spread the virus and on and on and on, all all sorts of stuff of course you know if we didn't have what was going on around us what would be other things that people would t- uh to uh you know what fears might they have Uh Barbara? Well, i struggle with my family mm-hmm. because... yeah Right. Oh yes. And talking about, you know, the, the, this is what you need to do to be saved, and you don't live a life that shows that you believe. So exactly. That doesn't bring <laughs> peace. Right. A lot of our families call us hypocrites. Right. Yeah. Oh, you don't exactly do exactly that. But family is hard. It's very difficult to share the gospel with our families. So sometimes that fear affects us. My family already knows that I'm a renegade. <laughs> Many of them have unfriended me on Facebook because of that. Rather interesting. What other areas, what other, other concerns might a Christian have about, what's Brother Charles? Not, not that they have enough knowledge or wisdom to witness. Yes. scripture or memory. Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's oftentimes an unfounded fear because it's, it's amazing what we do know. And if we just let the Lord guide and direct us. I was in California. There was a young man. He, was, um, he had Down syndrome. and He couldn't speak really very well. But he stood on the street corner with his Bible open to John 3.16. And he kept pointing to it. And he would just show people about that. And then he'd give them a tract. And the best that he knew. He, he was, people were just amazed that this young man was willing to do that. Well, he has Down syndrome. He can't do that. Back then it was like he's retarded. That's sad, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He knew that it was important for him to do that. Any others? Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, Pastor? Do you fear rejection, confrontation? You might not have the answers. Sure. Right, because what's the first thing people do when you start telling them, you know, you you lead them through the plan of salvation, and then immediately they start asking these other questions. You know good and well that they're they're not ready to accept. They're willing to, they just want to. Confront. It's always nice when oh, that's an interesting question. Let's just get back to that later, or maybe I don't have that answer. But I tell you what, I'll look that up for you and, and get back to you. You know. So that fear of ostracization and favorite one now was you know political correctness. It's not politically correct to share the gospel. You know? right. um, maybe uh, there's one that right now goes on uh, getting in trouble with the employer or. The law <laughs> you know, there churches have, have been taken to uh, shut down, find money because of teaching and preaching the gospel now. A lot of churches, you know, they were, people would be upset the fact that how we're meeting. We're social distancing. Families are sitting together. People are, are there. We're abiding with the law as best as possible. But yet we want to preach the gospel. We want to get the word out. That's important. The apostle Paul was doing the same thing. How many times does he beat By people. He was left for dead. People did not want to hear that. But we. It, it's important for us. That if we want to be faithful followers of Christ. That We. Faithfully share as best we can. Now, there's times that we can't or or maybe shouldn't. You know, the opportunity might be, you know, standing in a long line at the grocery store where a bunch of people are, and then trying to witness to somebody. That might not be the exact time to do that. Or why the policeman's writing you out a ticket because you violated something that may not be the right time. Although uh, the uh, uh, tele- um, telemarketers, those are perfect time. You have them captive. Some of them change their mind afterward. But it's important. You know, if Paul could faithfully share the word when his life was being threatened, we could at least do the same thing. The likelihood of us being killed, although mm, depends on where you're at right now, <laughs> but the likelihood of being, you know, beaten for your belief is is really pretty slim in the United States you know if you go to certain towns and you try to do certain things you know yeah you're probably going to get in trouble but you should not be out at that time of the night either but (laughs) so it's it's important for us to understand that the Apostle Paul was not going to compromise the gospel we don't compromise the gospel here some people probably think that we're too harsh with the gospel they think that you know you can't be preaching on that well, why not? It's in scripture. It's, it's like pointing out somebody in their operator's manual that they're not operating their equipment the right way. And they goes, well, why do I need that thing? Well, why do we need the scriptures? Why do we need that? So it's very important. You know, and like I said, when, when um, you think of the prophetic preaching that the apostle Paul did, you think he did this for three Sundays, for three Sabbaths. So you wonder, well, if he did like verse uh, chapter 13 of Acts, and probably presented it in different forms, he probably went through and, and presented things like, you know that the, the Christ was called Shiloh at one point in, uh, from the tribe of Judah and to rule the nations, you know it talks about it in, in numbers. and of course he didn't have the bible broken down like we have it today he would say well from the law he pointed out this and from the prophets this was pointed out you know we go through and it says uh, he'll be one that uh, who'll have dominion numbers 24 talks about that out of jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth in the city or like a prophet unto moses in deuteronomy the lord will rise up Unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto whom ye shall be hearkened according to thou hast desirest of, of the Lord thy God in Herod And it says he'll be, you know, he'll he'll uh, he'll be called a king. for Samuel sixteen. It says the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing thou hast rejected him? And and it talks about. Uh, uh, that his uh, I will go and send thee Jesse the Benjamite and it talks about out of David's family he would go through and point out the apostle Paul probably pointed out that he's from David's family and they all knew that from history but he'll be called a branch he'll be called the prince an anointed one God's firstborn he'll be called wonderful mighty God everlasting father prince of peace he would probably lay these out to him he also pointed out to him. he says, you know, the time of his coming was foretold. You know, Daniel, he laid it out for them. And of course, who are they going to reject? The Old Testament. They're going to go, well, wait a minute. You know, that, that kind of makes sense. He'll go through, you know, point out the Bethlehem's where he's going to be born. Or he'll, his, uh, he'll be introduced by an Elijah-like forerunner. Or it's a, Galilee will be where his ministry is. Or he'll die with the wicked. The Psalms laid out so many of foretellings of of what's there, and you know he he would go through and lay that out in in a semblance kind of like that, and say, now don't you think that the Old Testament or the Scriptures at that time laid out this forecoming? And many of them stopped to think about about that. He pointed out too that you know. All these were written by different people. At different times. And they all pointed to the same person. So what he was. He was trying to show them that. Even though he. Was a Christ rejecter. Early on. It was important that he. Understood. That I rejected it. You have rejected it. But you don't need to reject it. And each week he was doing that. And so. As he was developing that, the people responded to that message. And out of there, you know, there were uh, basically two groups of people in in there. You had the Jews, and then you had what they call the Greek or the the, the proselytes, And so a number of the Jews believed and and looked to follow him. In verse 4, it says, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude... And of the chief women, not a few. So he was reaching many people. Some of the Jews who heard him were persuaded and believed. And they, didn't, they not only believed that Jesus is the Messiah, but they joined with him. They, they probably told the other stuff, you know, let the guy speak. He's telling some truth here. Think about that. And of course, there's a few of them out there that were adamant. They were, they were. You're not going to change my mind. There's no way you're going to, you know, it's not possible. And so they became that body of believers that, that built up. And then you had the what they call the God-fearing Gentiles, the Greeks. You know, the 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 devout Greeks. Some of these these were proselytized into Judaism. So they were living. Uh, as Jews understanding what was there but they listened and, and as, as it said in the beginning his as his manner was he went to them and three sabbaths reasoned with them the apostle Paul knew that if he went to the the the, the Jews first they had at least a foundation and an understanding of who God was and what he was doing and what their importance was and showed hey everything you've been doing points to this man Jesus and this was why all this happened. Well, as the Greeks came in there, they understood it and were trying to equate this from the paganism that they were living with. And when he presented Christ, it probably gave them a very eye-opening thought of, yeah, that, that makes complete sense what he's talking about. And as, as, he, as he was presenting this, these were uh, the, the chief women that he talked about here, who were, may have been Jews, may have been, and, and, but most of them were probably Gentiles. They were very well-to-do. They were in the what you would call the upper crust of the city. And so he had a, a pretty good-sized number. We don't know how many it was, but it was enough that it created a problem for the Jews themselves, those that were, were rejecting Christ. And so it says uh, of these, you know, quite a few well-known women who, doubtless, um, wearied of of what was being taught with the paganism, and they learned from the Jews something of a, a, a one true and living God. They were now ready to accept Christ. They were they were eager for that. They said, "There's got to be more than just doing these things." You know, is that eventually going to do anything for me? The Apostle Paul pointed out, says, "No, it's been done." He said. They showed you what was going on here. So, as a result, the community of believers became this combination of the Jews and Gentiles and of men and women. He probably even, may have even taught in there, you know, at one time, Abraham wasn't a Jew. (laughs) They probably had a few of them that they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, The man that, you know, no, yeah, at one point, They were all Gentiles, as far as the Jewish tradition was considered. So, in doing that, the Apostle Paul did anger a few people. And next week, we're going to look at what was happening and why it was occurring. And as a result, uh, we're going to talk about a man named Jason and what happened with him. And that something for us to think about is... People right now, there are many out there that would just as soon come in here and destroy us and get rid of us. And just tell you, you can't teach that. I'm thankful that we have a Bill of Rights, like we mentioned last week. But yet, is there a point where we have to fight to hold church? Are we going to stand with armed guards at the door and stop people from coming in and tell us, no, we can't? There's a way in which to do that, a proper way to do that. And and it's very important for us to be excellent examples. The Apostle Paul, he took many beatings. Maybe some of us might have to fall into that. He was thrown in in prison. Maybe that might happen to some of us. Is there a point where we say enough is enough? How do we get the gospel out? How do we properly get it out? Are we willing to stand up for the gospel, or do we just kind of cower down and go, "No, nah, we can't do that anymore?" You know, some of us try to obey the law as best we can, until it transgresses God's laws. Then it's time for us to be politely de- defiant. And that's something for us to, to seriously consider as, as, as we go forward during this time. And I'm sure pastors probably going to have things to, to, to say about that, but it's important. When we look at the Apostle Paul, how was he persecuted? We're fortunate we haven't been persecuted like he was. We probably won't. But yet, we're going to have some certain amount of persecution. It's something for us to think about, to pray about. How do we go forward as faithful Christians, sharing the gospel like we should? Let's pray. And Father, we thank you again for the blessings that you give to us. Father, I thank you for the safety that you give to us throughout the week. I thank you, Father, that you have absolute control of all that's going on. Some of it we don't fully understand. Most of it we'll never understand. But, Father, I'm thankful that you know what the end's going to look like. You guide and direct us. You give us our every step. And we can thank you for that. Again, I thank you for those that are here today. I thank you for those that are listening and viewing online. I do pray, Father, that we stay faithful to you that we realize that times are not friendly to Christians and that you'll guide and direct us through this time and we'll give you the glory in all of this and we do ask it in Jesus precious name. Amen.